Greetings and welcome back to another segment in the OU's Shnayim Mikra. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom. And today we're going to take a look at the third aliyah of our parsha, Parashat Lech Lecha, where Avram and Lot return to Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Canaan, wealthy, enriched beyond what they had before significantly, which leads us to the main focus of the story in this aliyah. The Lot was also rich. He, because he'd gone with Avram, he had flock and cattle and tents. Tents implying that he had servants who needed to live in the tents. The land couldn't bear them living together. The text stresses that they had lots of wealth and they couldn't live together. As if there was no room for all of this stuff. And what happened? And there was a dispute between, not Avram and Lot, between the shepherds of the flocks of Avram and the shepherds of the flocks of Lot. And critically, there are, each one of them has two steps away. It's not, it, it, it's that Avram was enriched with cattle. As a result, he had to hire shepherds or cowboys. Lot, same thing. And so therefore, two steps away from these relatives, there was a dispute. And then we have the cryptic line, Vakraniva Prizi Azosheh At that time, the Kanani and Prizi were living in the land. That line, and it's parallel in Perak Yudbet, um, are famously seen by the Benezra's later glosses, because of course in Moshe's time, Kanani and Prizi were also living in the land. So it seems to be a later gloss to explain something about what the, uh, the demographic circumstances were. We'll see an, an interestingly different approach uh, advanced by this phone in a few minutes. So Avram credits the dispute as being not just between shepherds, but between him and Lot. Avram takes full responsibility for the behavior of his workers, says there shouldn't, shouldn't be, we don't want to have a dispute between us, between our shepherds. Achim here is itself uh, a, a very uh, significant Pandora's box that we could open. Is what does Avram mean when he means when he says Achim? Does he mean we are family, and Achim is a generic term for family? In which case, when Avram says about Sarah Achotihi, he's not lying at all. She is family, not just through marriage, but evidently she's also a niece of sorts. Um, if Achim really means uh, brothers, well, that's not really true about Avram and Lot. If Achim means um, treaty partners, uh, partner people who work together, then indeed the phrase is far more generous and uh, doesn't carry, uh, the, and the, the whole issue with Sarah becomes questionable. And here we'll just read Hashim Achim as close relatives. So he says, the whole land is in front of you. So Avram suddenly is becoming very, Generous. The whole land is yours. And Avram has been promised the land. He parried Namielai, separate from me. These words have to read very, very, very carefully. Avram is not saying, if you want to go to the left, I'll go to the right, meaning whatever way you go, I'll go the other way. But rather, small and Yamin are specific directions, compass points. One is north, small, and one is Yamin, south. Uh, and uh, that's critical because throughout Tanakh, Yamin is to the south, because when you're facing east, Kedem, which means in front of you, the south is to the right. And small, as we'll see in a cryptic passage we'll look at in the next podcast, 
uh, is indeed to the north. So Avram, remember, in the text already placed, Avram and Lot between Beit El and Ha'ai, which means in the mountainous region, uh, let's say about 10 miles north of Jerusalem is today. And Avram says to Lot, go north and I'll go south, go south and I'll go north. In other words, go towards Shechem and I'll go towards Hebron, or vice versa. Lot instead, and it's a very strange thing, says he casts his eyes up and he sees the whole valley of the Ardain, but you can't cast your eyes up and see a valley, especially when you're on top of the mountains. So I sell Lot to Denav, here is perhaps being used as an ironic phrase because La Setenaim, to cast your eyes up, is often associated, especially in Brashit, with prophecy. Avram looks up and sees the mountain, Avram looks up and sees the three visitors, Avram looks up and sees the ram to substitute for Yitzchak. So here it may be used uh, almost sardonically. The entire thing was lush. And the the image here is of the Yardane River flowing into this whole valley and just irrigating it. This is before God destroyed Stom and Amorah, which we're going to read about in a couple of chapters. And it looked like Eretz Mitzrayim all the way to Tsoar. And Tsoar is a beautiful area in Mitzrayim. And the notion here is that this looked lush like Egypt, which of course has the Nile Delta and lots of irrigation. And here Lot is standing with Avram in a relatively parched area on the mountaintop. So Lot chose the Kikar Yadain, that area. He went Mikedem, and really it should be Kedem, famous Rashi on this, but he went Kedem, meaning east, not north or south, which means Vaipardu Ishmael Achiv, one man separated from the other, doesn't just mean that they went their separate ways as Avram advised, but they really separated. Lot left the mountain area for the, for the veil, and why that's significant is far beyond the context of the Shear. But Avram Yashaber, it's Kanan Velut Yashaber, Stom, and now the summary Pasuk, Avram stayed in Eretz Canaan, which here is a reference to really what we call Eretz Ha'em Mori, the mountain region. And Lot went to the Arachikar, and his tents went all the way to the city of Stom. And as if to put the capper on it, the text notes, They're very, very sinful to God. Now, that is both a foreshadowing uh, to what's going to happen later with Lot, but it also tells us something about Lot's value system. He saw a beautiful area where the people are well known to be bad. He goes there as opposed to staying close to Avram. And that leads us to the next passage. Beautifully, So after Lot separated from him, and really separated from him, Where you're standing, look in all four directions. I'm giving this entire land to you and to your kids. And as Fona points out, it's because while Lot is with him, God can't say this to Avram. God is taking Avram to the next step of connection. Lot's not part of that. Lot and his family will get something outside. But not this. And now he gives them the famous promise, I'm going to make your seed like the dirt, like the dirt, that just like someone cannot count the granules of dirt in the world, so your your children will not be able to be counted. Now you get up and walk the land to the length and to the breadth, because I'm giving it to you. And ostensibly that means also to go to stone, but to go to stone from this center point to the mountains. And what happens? So Avram 
nonetheless sort of did what he had committed to with Lot, even though Lot didn't keep up his end of the bargain. And he went all the way south to the near the southern edge of the mountainous region, not really, but to the southern side of the mountainous region, to Hebron, set up his tents near the uh, the tree, the terrence of this fellow named Mamre, who we'll meet later on, and he built another Mizbeach. Uh, that's the story. Now, the middle, the crux of the story, of course, is the famous dispute between Avram and Lot's shepherds. What is this dispute about? And as I promised in previous podcast, looking at how the Rishonim assess this dispute will give us an, uh, a, a bird's eye view into, or something of a glimpse into, how they read Sefer Bereshit and how they understood what was going on. We'll start, of course, with Avi Avihem Shalaparshanim with Rashi. Uh, if you take a look at Rashi's comments on Pasuk Zayin, Vahi Riv, there was a dispute. What was that? Lot's shepherds were evil, and they were shepherding the flock in other people's fields, thus thieving. And Avram's shepherds, of course being righteous, were rebuking them for theft. And so Lot's shepherds were saying back, Avram was given the land, he has no heir. Lot's going to inherit it. And it's not, it's not, uh, theft. And that's why the text says, as if to say, Avram doesn't yet own it, and therefore it is theft. So that's Rashi's take on it. The Ramban, on the other hand, uh, quotes Rashi, as he nearly always does, and challenges Rashi, and he says, The present given to Avram was not to Avram, it was to given, given to his seeds down the road. So why would first of all why would Lot be the ones to want to inherit it so that the the shepherds of Lot are making this claim? It's very strange. <clears throat> and um, and the event says The simple read of it is that the dispute was about grazing because there just wasn't enough room for the both of them to graze. So if they found a marsh, if Avram's shepherds found a marsh to graze in, then Lot's shepherds came in, into the same area and made it very crowded and pushed them out. Both of them were strangers. They were both from Haran. And he said that Avram was concerned on a tactical level that the local people would hear about this great wealth that they had that of course looks much more impressive and therefore scary and overwhelming when they're all together. What will happen? You will go on basically from the frying pan into the fire. We went from Egypt where we were threatened. We're going to come here and they're going to take all of our stuff here. Because right now they're the ones who live in the land. That's why it says Vakanivaprizi. So in other words, uh the Ramban takes the approach that the reason that we have Vakanivaprizi here and mentioned in the Pasuk is not, as Rashi says, to say on a technical level, Avram is not yet the heir. And therefore Lot does not have any claim and therefore it still is Gazel. But rather to say that the reason that Avram was concerned about the massing of these two sets of flocks and herds together is that the Kananiva Prizi who were living there would hear about it and they would come and attack them and um, and it would be a power struggle and Avram was not yet ready for that. And then we look at Rabbeinu Avadius Forno. 
and in his typical classic way of very brief comments, but the cut right to the core, he says, he says, The fight, and he reads this like the Ramban, the fight simply was, who would be able to push who out? In other words, who, if, if one of their groups found grazing land, would they, would the other group be successful in pushing them out, or could they hold their own? And then on Vakran, he says, He said, what Avram's concern was, and this is why the text mentions Vakran, he says, therefore, this fight between two brothers who themselves are strangers, made their impression very poor in the, in the eyes of the locals. And he leaves it, he leaves it out at that point. And there's two ways, at least, to interpret what he says. He says, because the locals seeing that these two strangers are coming in, they're relatives to each other, Achim, and they're fighting, the, the Toshavim, the local residents, will make a Kalvachomer. And what will a Kalvachomer be? So on one simple level, the Kalvachomer would be, if these two guys are fighting over Mirat, let's throw the mouth out. And, and this is our land. Kavachomer, these strangers are claiming land for themselves. Certainly, it's our land. And that would hurt Avram and Lot's chances of being there. But there may be something even, even deeper here. Sforno's take on reading Avram all the way from Parakid Bet is that Avram is on a mission. As I mentioned in the previous podcast, Avram chooses the location between Beitel and Ha'ai so that he can attract people, people from both of these cities. That's his job. That's what he's trying to do. It's a deliberate job, even at this point. And as a result, perhaps what Sforno was saying, is that if this man and his nephew or his brother who are coming to treat, to teach us this new way, this way of justice, and look how they're behaving, so Kawahomer, we don't need to accept it. Kawahomer, there's nothing here impressive for us. And so it would defeat his entire purpose. Now, if you think about the, the three different approaches that we've seen in understanding the dispute between the shepherds, Rashi's approach, which is that Avram's shepherds were righteous and Lot's shepherds were evil and they were thieving and they had an argument back and forth about uh, who, whether who the land belonged to. The Ramban's take that Avram's concern was a tactical concern, which is that if we mass our flocks together, that uh, the word will get out and we're going to be the object of an attack. And the Sforno's approach, which seems to be more strategic, but to perhaps even a greater strategy than just survival, which is that if we are seen fighting in front of the locals, then what message is that going to be for them? And you see that they took different approaches to, to reading Avram. Rashi, as we've seen several times, and we'll see many more times, reads, using the Midrash, the Avot, in, even in their earliest stages, as being what we might call a finished product. So therefore, not only Avram at this point, but also Avram's servants are all righteous and all are taking the high road. And of course, Lot goes the way that he ultimately ends up already at this point. There's no such thing as a point where Lot went sour. Lot was always sour. That's Rashi's take. The Ramban's take is a very pragmatic one, as we've seen already going back to the first podcast, that he reads Avram as somebody who, of course, is a great person, a person driven by great ideals and by great prophecy, etc., but a human being who also has human concerns. And therefore here, his concern plays out in this tactical uh, approach. The Sforno, on the other hand, sees Avram as chiefly being driven by his 
desire and interest in making an impact on the residents of the land. And as such, his concern is that the dispute between him and 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 Lot and he and Lot will be something that will foul his opportunity to do that bit of educating. Three different approaches to understanding the same piece. There are many, many, many more, more approaches, but just three sample approaches among the most significant of the Parshanim that reflect a different approach on understand and on reading the Avot. And by the way, if you follow Rashi and the Ramban and the Sforno throughout the narratives of Avram, you will see a consistent approach in each one of them to reading the story of this great father of our nation in the in each one of these respective manners. Everyone should have a wonderful day. We'll pick up tomorrow with the fourth Aliyah, the famous war of the four and the five kings.